You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for Cruella, Craig Gillespie. From the very beginning, I realized I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people. But I wasn't for everyone. I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. <laughs> but a new day brings new opportunities. And I was ready to make a statement. How does the saying go? I am woman, hear me roar. Getting started, darling. The thing is, I was born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. <laughs> all have these amazing microphones i feel like i it might help me to have a more luxurious voice maybe your voice sounds perfect Craig. <laughs> obviously i'm on mute <laughs> well uh craig thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today appreciate it absolutely it's a pleasure so, so to kick things off, I, I read an interview with you back when you made I, Tanya, and you described the process of making that, of, of finding that script as finding one that was, that you could make uniquely your voice. So when it came to, to join Cruella to make this film, what made you feel this was a movie that you could make uniquely yours? <laughs> Sorry. I, it, I mean, I, I kind of just chuckle a little bit because it, it wasn't uniquely mine. And that was my big hesitation. When I, uh, I got the script, I loved the idea of uh, Emma Stone playing Corella in 1970s London. That was incredibly exciting to me. Um, and the script was absolutely, it was extremely well written. They'd done a, a wonderful job with it, but it didn't, it didn't play to my strengths. And so, which is like trying to find this tone that I, I sometimes call like painfully funny, where within the same scene is both the duality of humor and drama happening. And it's, it's a very specific tone and it's, it's, it's hard to find. And the hardest part of that is finding the writers that can deliver that. And um, I had just been working with Tony McNamara on a script. He'd just done the favorite with uh, Emma Stone and I absolutely love his writing. And he agreed to come on board. And then like, then it took off for me. Then it was, you know, you all that delicious banter that you have between them like is you know Tony's writing and that's like a place that I'm extremely comfortable in. And for years there's been there's been discourse. I'm sure that you were aware of it when signing on about the Disney live action remakes and you know how they compare to the animated films and things like that. This of course isn't a remake, but how, how conscious of those comparisons were you uh, when making the film about how it compares to the animated one? You know how it compares to the Glenn Close films. What, what, what were your thoughts towards that as you dived in? Well, the amazing thing is that there's basically no backstory to Cruella, other than she went to school with Anita when she was five. 
so I loved that latitude that we had. And um, to, the, to the point of like, you know, I, I honestly, uh, coming off of Aitanya and they had approached me for this film after Aitanya and talked about the use of music in Aitanya and, you know, using like The Clash and Blondie and all these songs, you know, in Corella that I felt they really wanted me to lean into it. Like they're incredibly supportive that way, Sean Bailey and, and the team over at Disney. So I didn't, I wasn't concerned at all. It's like, and because this is not really a remake of it to any, of any kind, it's, it's so completely original. Uh, it was, that was incredibly exciting to me. Um, I deliberately stayed away from the Glenn Close version of it and did not uh, actually watch it because I didn't want, I knew we were sort of reinventing like a world and it's not, it wasn't part of that world. And because we were in 1970s Kings Road, punk London, and it, it, and we we devised this whole like sort of character arc for Corella that was so much a part of that that I felt like we really had to discover our own voice for it. So I I, I deliberately started with a clean slate there. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On conflicted we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Well, and, and something that is so refreshing about this film is how much darker it is than, than most <laughs> Disney movies, uh, it, it, tonally speaking, and, and it works so well. What, did you find it difficult to lean into that dark tone while still knowing at the end of the day you've got to deliver a, a Disney movie, a relatively family-friendly movie? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't find it difficult. I don't know how Disney was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, uh, there were a couple of times where they were like, this is too dark. But, and we would shoot alts, you know? And, but everything made it in amazing. Are you able to tell me what any of those alts are? I mean, just like minor stuff. Like, you know, where the guys are like getting tied up and, and, you know, Harris gets punched by one of the thugs, you know, 
in a close up and they're like, yeah, we don't want to, you know, you should probably cover one without him being punched. And I was, and it didn't even occur to me, you know, because I'm just, I was sort of very myopically and in, like involved in the story and where we were in the drama here. And the stakes are high in, at this point. And it's like, they're, they're not fooling around. They're about to you know, try and murder somebody. So, um, you know, I, and I, I felt like, it's funny, it didn't feel dark to me. I don't know what that says, but I feel like when you're doing this dance between the humor and the drama and, and the darkness, it gives, you, it gives you a little bit more freedom because you can get dark, but then you're, let, you're getting this release for the audience in the next scene, or even like halfway through that scene at times, you know? Like it's this constant dance. So it's like, all right, when it gets too dark, we get this, you know, let, let them, you know, laugh or blow off some steam or have a release. So it was really calibrating that, the amount of humor within stuff. And the film's not only tonally darker, it's also like visually darker, grittier. Uh, I'm happy about that. Disney movies. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, can you tell me about your approach to the visual style and, and if there were any specific films or other inspirations toward the visual style? Uh, I brought my, uh, the DP that I worked with on Itania, I was lucky enough to get Nicholas Katz-Katanis again to do, uh, to do this project. And uh, he's got, he's got, he comes more from an independent world, which is what I wanted to bring to this. And the same like Fiona Crombie, who had just come off of The Favourite as our production designer, same thing. It's like, and so I really approached this like an independent film. And uh as you know, upfront with that with Disney, although there's massive scale to it, obviously there's a palette that is very sophisticated, I think, in terms of is, is um, you know, something we wanted to lean into. And I just wanted to make sort of this very luxurious kind of grittier film. And it's, um, you know, to the point that we, uh, we wanted to shoot on film. It was a, for various complications, we couldn't, but we, we did tests on film before we started shooting and tests uh, digitally. And then we sent it to uh, Tom Poole, our, our colorist, and said, make the digital look as close to the film as you could. So with all the imperfections in the film grain, and he did an amazing job. So, you know, and Disney was apprised of all of that and supportive. And so we really just kept leaning into it and not getting no's. <laughs> yeah, that's phenomenal. Any, any specific films or, or other inspirations for the visual style? For the visual style, it's kind of more of a language that like Nick, Nicholas and I developed on Itania. It's like, it's sort of, it is constantly this dance between Steadicam or handheld or, um, you know, so it, we actually didn't look at any films in terms of references. There was a lot of photography we looked at from the seventies in London. And that just that sort of just that layer of like smog <laughs> that existed back then. So it was more that kind of reference and um, in a palette. And there's like a lot of pulls for like fashion shows and all of those things. But like visually we shot 35 uh, you know, for the Corella's world, and then we shot 65 for the Baroness's world. So, you know, they have a very different visual style to them. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Emma Stone was already signed on to the film when you came on, uh, but I don't believe any of the rest of the cast was. That's correct. Uh, so, yeah. so can you tell me about assembling uh, this phenomenal cast, especially Emma Thompson, uh, who's just insane, amazing in this movie? Uh, the casting is the most stressful part for me. Because dealing with this tone, if the actor can't do it, I'm completely screwed. <laughs> it's like, and it's a very, it's a very specific, tricky thing to do for actors. It's like, you know, I feel like comedy in a lot of ways is, you know, sometimes harder than drama. Um, but this is comedy and drama simultaneously. And they have to be able to do that dance within a scene. So it, it's the thing that I really fight the most for. 
uh, is casting. And I was incredibly lucky to get all of our first choices and Emma being, you know, at the top of the list there, Emma Thompson. And because uh, I knew she could do this dance and Tony's writing, there's such a specificity to it and how to play those scenes. And they, it's very, they're very tricky and she's amazing in them. And she elevates them in that sense. And, you know, where she's trying to, where she's simultaneously being funny and drab about talking about the death of a mother, you know, with the, with the child involved. And it's like, it's very, they're very tricky scenes to do and that she makes it look effortless. And same, but obviously Emma Stone as well with her, her role with that, like within those scenes, it's like being able to dance every time, like within the humor and the drama and keep the gravitas and the darkness. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they nail it for sure. Well, my, my time is almost up. Uh, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Pam and Tommy. Uh, you're on this kind of uh, quote unquote bad girl uh, uh, streak here, Itanya Cruella and Pam and Tommy. So I I thought you had cast Lily James in that uh, in the show, but I, I'm seeing these these photos and I'm not seeing her anywhere. So where's where's Lily, Craig? Where is she? She is having doing a phenomenal job. Of getting completely lost in the character it's funny it's like you know i i loved the idea of lily for pam and tommy because she has this accessibility and this warmth to her and this naturalist natural way with her performances that i've seen in the past and of course we haven't seen anything like the version of, of pamela but for me first and foremost i needed that grounding to it because everything else is just the veneer and uh so i thought you know I was really excited about the idea of working with her and she's just killing it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order to be trying to pull off an icon and to do it, you know, not just be an impression, you know, it's like, you've got to try and get to the character underneath and it's a, it's a scary thing for an actor to do. And she's doing an amazing job. Well, I'm so excited about that. Excited for more people to see Cruella. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for Cruella, Craig Gillespie, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Cruella is currently streaming on Disney Plus with Premiere Access and also playing in theaters. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture. 
from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.